we are going through the book of Colossians right now in this series. I know we took a few weeks break. We started early in the year. We got through Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2. We took almost a month off, and we got back into Colossians last Sunday with chapter 3. So we went through uh, 1 through 4, and this morning we're going to try to go in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 11. So if you have a Bible, if you have your app and your phone, uh, turn that to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. So just a brief reminder, uh, last week, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, to remind, reminded us that we are in Christ. We are with him, and he is seated on the throne. Uh, verse 1 and 3, and uh, 1 through 4 in chapter 3 was a pretty much sum up what happened in chapter 1 and chapter 2, which is we're protected by the king of the universe, the creator of all things, the God of the universe. Since we're protected by him and hidden in his, the safety of his glory, of his uh, might and his grace and his power, set our hearts upon Jesus. Set our hearts and our minds to be where Jesus is, which is at the right hand of the Father. So we talked about setting our hearts as a compass. Let that be the compass that is pointing, through, um, setting the compass for our lives, pointing, pointing that to Jesus, and setting our minds as planning our steps, planning our life decision to stay on the path that that compass has pointed toward us, which is stay on the path to head to where Jesus is, is to be with Jesus. So essentially, we're cleansed by his blood and been rescued into his kingdom. And through our revelation of Jesus and his love, we learned that he is in us and he's one of us. So Jesus, the God of the universe, is in us, the hope of glory. So through that revelation, we set our hearts and our minds upon Jesus. So that was the quick summary of chapter 1, 2, and then verse uh, 1 through 4 in chapter 3. So this takes us to verse 5. So let's read through these verses together. I think I have it on the screen for everyone. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have, been, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There are some tough things that we're pointing out in this passage. And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking to myself, like, ah, oh, who can I get to preach on these passages for me? Because it's nothing about joy and love and fun and excitement, is there? But anyway, there's, uh, there's a few things that it's good for us to go through and just to acknowledge and, and to look through. But the very first thing that I would like to bring our attention to is the word therefore. Therefore. Whenever we see the word therefore in the Bible, we should stop and ask ourselves, what is it there for? It is there for a reason. Why is it there in chapter 3? Pretty much in the middle of the book, Colossians. We can see from these verses that verse 5 through 11, 
is appealing to us, right? It's appealing to us to put to death or rid ourselves of this earthly nature, and, and this earthly nature, we'll go through them in a few minutes. But the word therefore is an appeal to us to live differently. It's not, as you can notice, it's not in the beginning of Colossians. It just, it's just in the middle of Colossians, just as when you read the book of Ephesians or Romans, it's toward the end of Romans, and First Peter. We are appealed or given instruction to live differently only after, after we have been provided with the knowledge and the revelations of the goodness of our God, the powerful and magnificent God and what he has done for us. So we talked about, you know, the greatness of who God is. He created everything that is seen and unseen. All the rulers and authorities is under him. And he's the supremacy over all things. And all things, the universe, the stars, the planets, the moon, remains in existence because of him. So if he decides for it not to remain in existence, it will be gone. That's the greatness of our God and, and the amazing sacrificial love of our God who didn't have to do this. He went to the cross for us so we can be rescued into his kingdom. That's the amazing love and kindness and compassion of our God that he intentionally bring us into his kingdom because he doesn't really have to, right? He could, he could very well, if I was God, which I know I'm not, I could very well press the reset button and do it all over again. It would be so much easier. And God would be able to do that. But he didn't. It's just his amazing grace um, that we live under and his kingship. We learn again of his supremacy of who Jesus is. So after, that's what happens after the first two chapters of how incredible our God is, how mighty and how powerful he is, and, and, and what he has done for us. Keep in mind, those two chapters, they had nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us and nothing with what we have done. There's nothing about us, nothing to do with us and what we have done. So the word therefore is similar to, okay, this is God, the almighty God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything. Now let's talk about you. That's what the word therefore is. As in, let me tell you about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, what he's able to do, what he has done for us, what he wants to do for us, how much he loves us, and after that, let's talk about you. At least for me, when I read through Colossians, initially, I felt very small and insignificant. You, you feel small and insignificant when you read about the significance and the bigness of who Jesus is, right, in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Then... I felt very empowered because of this too big to comprehend. God loves me, us, loves us so much that he will make his dwelling inside of us and walk through my insignificant life, our insignificant life, really. So once I understood what I have or already have through Jesus, so Therefore, or leaving the earthly nature behind is much easier. It's almost like a trade-off, right? The Almighty, the creator of all things, seen and unseen, sexual immorality. The one who maintains all things in existence, lust and greed. It's like, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be with? Who do you want to hang out with? It's almost like, well, you go, you've just, we've just gone through the list of 
who Jesus is, what he has done, how we can live with him, and he's in us, our hope of glory. And then there's a little trade-off. It's like, well, if you look at the two lists, I think it's pretty obvious what, you want to, what side you want to be on. So that's, at least for me, that's how I looked at Colossians and, the, and pretty much how God communicates to us. And if, 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 we, if I may step away from Colossians for a minute, that is how we should use in terms of how we communicate to each other, how we encourage each other to apply what we see in Colossians to the process or the steps of conversing when we talk to each other and we talk to others outside of church or people who don't know Jesus. Because if this is how God communicates to us, he let us know of who he is, what he is, what he has done for us, and how much he loves us. And then he starts talking about us. If that's how God communicates to us, that's how, and if that's how God treats us, that is how we should communicate to others also. Because he does not remind us about our shortcomings as a conversation starter. Because he could very well say, hey, take a look at you and all your problems and all your sins and all the things that you have done and going to do and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't want anything to do with you. He does not do that. He talks about how much he loves us. He talks about how powerful he is and how he's able to save us and bring us into his kingdom. And once we have that understanding, the conversation can start, start turning to us. So in a way, if we can step away from Colossians and use that to apply that when we speak with others around us, share about how mighty Jesus is. Because once we talked about him and who he is and what he has done, we, we all should feel very humbled and privileged at the same time that the God who created time, space, and reality cares so much for each and every one of us. So this should be a blueprint for how we interact and share with others outside the church. Talk about Jesus. Talk about how awesome he is. Talk about the Jesus that each of us know. Hence, the importance of both knowing him relationally and knowing him through scripture. Because we can talk about the God that we know and also the God, the God that we have a relationship with and the God that we see in scripture and how he's communicating to us and use that as an example. So this should always be the blueprint for us to inter interact with others. Uh, then, then, which I know we say this all the time, talk is easy, right? Talk is cheap. Walk the walk. Talk about Jesus and let our lives reflect the importance of Jesus in our lives so people can actually not only hear the things that we glorify and exalt Jesus, but see how we're living that out. The decision that we make all come back to who Jesus is and what he has done for us and where he's leading us and his provision for us. So I want to say that with um, biblical teaching or sharing the gospel or even how we treat each other should be summarized with the word, therefore. It should never begin with the call for a, a holy, godly life. Or it should never begin with a call for a good life, so to speak. What do I mean by the call for a good life or godly life? Don't start out with, well, you need to be more responsible, more, more willpower, more effort. Because that's something that we hear all the time, right? We're meeting in the school. That's something that teachers tell us when we were younger all the time. Sometimes I do this too. I'm, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes our parents would tell us, hey, be more responsible. Put more effort into it. And other people around us would tell us that. Don't start with that. 
Or second thing is through fear. They say, if you don't do this, you're going to get that. I'm very guilty of that. Sometimes, not all the time. We don't want to live in that place. We don't want to communicate to other people. That's the place that we live in. Or, or, you know, don't start with the good life or living a godly life where trying to live a life of being sensible, being logical. Think about the things that you're going to do. We want to trust God, talk about him, how he provides, how he's able to do all things, and trust in him and follow him through that. Because, I mean, just an example of if you want to do some things that are sensible or logical, I mean, we would never start a church plant, right? You would never be part of a church plant because that is illogical. Isn't it easy to go to an established church, a mega church, you just kind of blend in, they have everything that you need? Isn't it more logical that way? But because we're trusting in God, of his mighty will and his power and his grace and where he's taking us, we're following him. That's why we don't start out with, this is how you live a good life or how you live a godly life. Or, or you need to constantly experience a spiritual experience in order to be holy. It has nothing to do with that. It's, we do want to experience God. And there is a spiritual experience that comes with knowing Jesus, but it should not always be like that. Or, lastly, just to withdraw from everything. I, I think I may offend some. Actually, I know I will offend someone. Just don't be like nuns and monks. Because God does not call us to withdraw from everything. He has called us to be into the world, not to step away and cleanse ourselves. We cannot cleanse ourselves. Only Jesus can. I know I'm going to offend. <laughs> I know that offended someone. Hopefully, that's not too much. But that's exactly because when I see that in the Bible, God is calling us to be part of the world, not to be removed from it, not to isolate ourselves from it, to be a light, to be an example. So those are just some examples that I could come up with that we should never begin the conversation with. So going back to what I was saying earlier in terms of don't start the conversation about how to be a good, live a good life or live a godly life. Just talk about Jesus. If we, are, if we call ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we need to follow his way. And we can see the process of how Jesus is revealing himself in Colossians. Not the ways that I just listed up there. It obviously starts with Jesus, who he is, what he has done, why he did what he did, his love for us. Like I said earlier, he could very well reset the button and say, this is how you live a good life. But he didn't do that. So his way, Jesus' way, is if I may humbly summarize it up as therefore. We need to know what comes before and what comes after. So I took a long time to talk about one word in here. Therefore, I say, what is it? Why was it therefore? So I want to stress the importance of how Scripture speaks to us so we can apply that in our everyday lives. It's all about Jesus, first and foremost. Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing else. No religious philosophy, no tradition or cultural experiences, influences, no special spiritual experience of real worship. You know, we want to worship God wholeheartedly, but I've seen some really freaky videos of people worshiping, and I don't know if Jesus is in there. So if you walk in here, hopefully you notice that there's Jesus somewhere in here, somewhere, and Jesus should always be exalted first and foremost. Because once we understand the magnificence of Jesus, once we magnify Jesus, once we get the glimpse of his glory, 
of His unimaginable love, we can turn our attention to ourselves, and I trust we will be able to look at ourselves in a different light. When after we look at Jesus, who He is, what He has done for us, and when we look at ourselves, I think we will see ourselves in a different light. So leaving the former things behind will be easier when we know what we already have in Jesus. And when we set our hearts and our minds on the awesomeness of our inheritance, which are waiting for us in Jesus. So in verse 5 through 7, talking about leaving the former things behind. So I talk about therefore. So I want us to remain, keep the focus on what happened that came before this passage right here. All the things that have happened, therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Things in our heart which were tainted because of the original sin. It's listed right here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. These things were cleansed by Jesus. These verses, verse 5 through 11, tell us what not to do. What not to do when we set our hearts and our minds on Jesus. Because without Jesus, the compass, the compass of our hearts, it was pointing toward the destination with the earthly nature, sexual immorality, or all these things again. So these are the things that we used to idolize without knowing it. These are the things that would drive us in our earthly nature. These are the things that people around us would idolize. The only thing is they would wrap it up in a nice wrapping paper, spray some cologne on it to make it smell good, to make it look good, to make it look honorable. honorable. However, at the core, it's still earthly nature, greed, lust, evil desire, selfishness. Because, you know, in the next verse, go on to the next verse to talk about. So keep, what, what we've learned through Scripture is that our mouth speaks what comes from the heart, right? So the thing spoken, which is the next step in verse 8, is anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. So without Jesus, the path that we take with our earthly nature is filled with those things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. These verses are strong. I get you. I understand. I think they're strong. But they have to be strong for us to clearly see the life that we used to live without Jesus. They have to be strong for us to know the driving forces for the people around us who do not have Jesus. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They're nice people. They're trying to do the right things. But without Jesus, there is no true understanding of forgiveness and love like the way that Jesus loved us. Because with Jesus, we're no longer on this path, right? We talked about this path in terms of our heart is a compass and our minds is how we plan and stay on that path. So without, with Jesus, we're no longer on this path of earthly nature. We belong to a godly nature. We now have a godly nature in us, right? Jesus and me, the hope of glory, we belong in the kingdom of light. We belong to Jesus, who is the king of this kingdom. We have his indwelling inside us. Jesus and me, the hope of glory. It's a very simple sentence, but if we really step back and think about that, who is Jesus, what he's capable of, what he has done, and he's made his dwelling inside us, the hope of glory. That's how much he loves us. Verse 9 and 10 goes on to say about do not lie to each other and, uh, and, and taking off our old self, 
and then put on a new self. You know, verse 9, speak about not lying to each other. This applies to each other as people within the kingdom of God and to the people who don't know Jesus. Through our revelation of Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We have the truth within us. So we are able to live in God's grace and truth. So there's no place for untruth in how we live with each other and with those people outside the church. So the more we spend time with Jesus and in Scripture, the easier it will be to not lie. And that's what God is encouraging us to do, spend time with him relationally and spend time in Scriptures. These things will become very easy to do, to fight against, to realize this is what I have in Jesus, the earthly nature I've left behind. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Let that truth live in us. It'll be easy for us to speak truth. One thing is, remember truth and grace. So don't go out and use that as an excuse to start saying truth without grace because you got to come from a place of love. And love can only come through relationship. So if you don't have a relationship with someone, you cannot say, well, because I love you, that's why I'm telling you this. Don't try that. Just a word of encouragement for you. So uh, I, I felt I needed to do that because before I came to know Jesus, many people had come to me and shared with me about the truth. And it was harsh truth with no love, no relationship. So I just want to encourage you guys to remember that. God is love first. Just like the book of Colossians. Talk about who he is, how he is, what he has done, how much he loves us. Then we can speak truth. People can receive it much better, easier that way. So verse 10 is about a new self. It's, I, I think if you guys have read this or if you listen to some sermon, it's, it's, it's something that um, I feel it's, it's fairly easier to, to, um, to work through. So just imagine that we're, you know, it's about new self and old self, new self and Jesus. Just imagine that we've finally realized that we're dirty, filthy dirty, right? Chapter 1 and 2, who Jesus is what he has done, his perfection, his supremacy over all things, like all things, all people, all everything, and then us. So once we realize that we're not here, we have sin. And because of Jesus, we've been rescued. So it's the same thing as realizing that we're dirty. We need to take a shower or take a bath for some of you. So once we have shower or bath, we're feeling clean, Right? Once we accepted Jesus and we've been cleansed by Jesus, you don't want to put on the old clothes that you had before. You want to put on new clothes, clean clothes. This is the same as what verse 10 is saying. You are now cleansed through the blood of Jesus. And knowing who Jesus is and what he has done, and he has cleansed us through his blood on the cross, don't put on the old self anymore, the one that was filthy dirty. So once we have been cleansed, put on a new self. This new clothes or the new mindset is with the knowledge that we were created in the image of God, right? That verse is saying, in the knowledge, in the image of God. The creator of everything that we see and don't see. The creator and is above all rulers and authorities. That is Jesus. So the same Jesus Christ is in us, the hope of glory. We've been cleansed. 
We've been cleaned. We've taken a shower, a bath, or whatever else, spa, whatever else you can think of. So we've been cleansed and the, the, the Jesus, the one that we hope for, the one with whom all creation wait with eager expectation to see his glory, that same Jesus is in us. That is a new self this verse is referring to. We now have a new self. We have been regenerated, a life that has been cleansed through the blood of Jesus. So live a life worthy of this new self. I know I used the illustration of us taking a shower, a bath, but as I was reading through this verse, um, a line from the movie that came up that I felt really applied to this. And for those who have been here for a while, you know, when I'm reference, referencing movies or shows, it's always going to be action movies. It will never be anything else. It's all action movies. So the illustration that I want to use this morning to really help us understand this new self that we're putting on is from uh, Saving Private Ryan. Have you guys seen that movie? You should all see that movie. It's really, really good. <laughs> so it's a movie that's set in World War II. Um, it's, it's an incredible movie. I love it because one is an action movie. Uh, number two is about sacrifices. Number three is about camaraderie. And also, it gives you a really good um, look at the grim reality of war, of what it is like, death and killing. But anyway, the, the summary of the, the movie is about um, this mom who has four boys, four Ryan boys. Their last name is Ryan. And the army found out that three of they, they all went into World War II. So the army found out that three of the brothers died. So they realized we cannot deprive this mom of four boys dying in battle. So they sent out a team of eight soldiers to find this last youngest brother, Private Ryan, find him, bring him back safely so he can be home with his mom so his mom can have one kid left. So that's what the, essentially the, what the movie is about. So these eight guys went out, did a lot of things, went through a lot of battles, fight a lot of different people. So at the end, six of them died, only two survived. And including Private Ryan. So that's what the name of the movie, Saving Private Ryan. So at the very end, Tom Hank, he plays one of the main characters. As he was dying, because he was able to bring Ryan back to safety, what he said, the very last line was, he told Private Ryan, earn this, earn it. Then I realized it is the same for us. See, this passage is encouraging us to earn it, earn this. So Tom Hank was telling the Private Ryan, which was played by Matt Damon, the sacrifices of the six people who died to bring you back alive. Earn this, earn this life. Earn the life that was given to you by the sacrifices of so many others to bring you back. And that's what I was reminding of. That line is, earn this, earn it. That new self, Jesus, the Son of God, who created all things, and all things remain in existence because of him, died the most painful, humiliating law, death, on the cross for all people, for all of us. Live a new self. Live a life that is worthy of that ultimate sacrifice. Live a new life that was given to us through Jesus Christ. It was not because someone just said, oh, now you're safe. It's so much more than that. Live that new life. Live that new self. Um, and the last verse. And the last verse in here is, here there is no Gentile or Jew, 
circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This will be our last verse for this morning. And this speaks to all people being equal. I know you hear this all the time. You hear this in the media all the time. But it speaks to all, truly speaks to all people being equal in Christ. That's the key right there. In Christ, as he died for all people. When we truly have Jesus in our hearts and minds, we will look at each other the same because each one of us is important enough for Jesus to die for us. The price that cost Jesus to rescue us into the kingdom is the same for everyone. It was the same for me. That price, the cost for that was the same. It was for me as it is for Anne or for Marie or for Ethan or for Corey or whoever, or Ali. It was the same. That's what this verse is saying. We are all the same. We are all equal. There have been a lot in the media about, you know, inclusion and loving people and accepting people. <sighs> On my notes, I have blah, 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 but it's really not blah, blah, blah. But what I can say is without Jesus, I can say this is with complete certainty. The idea of everyone is accepting everyone as equal and loving everyone as equal is only a theory. I can say that. Because it cannot be applicable in real life due to the things listed in these verses earlier, right? The earthly nature, greed, selfishness, evil desires, sexual immorality, impurity, anger, rage, malice. Because without Jesus, like, as I said earlier, we can never truly understand forgiveness, the ultimate forgiveness and the ultimate sacrifice and the too big to understand love for people. I can say that because I know there are and will always be prejudice. Always. Gender, appearances, skin color, income, age. If you think all people are the same, you're going to get to gender. Next thing, you're going to get to height. Next thing, you're going to get to how you look. It's all, there's always going to be some prejudice without Jesus. Just an example, for those who may not know, you know, I know we have prejudice with different ethnic groups and races and what have you. Even, if I can represent the Asian, even within the Asian group, there are prejudice for where you came from among Asians. So, so that's how bad it is. If you think there's no prejudice, there will always be prejudice without Jesus. That's why we need Jesus in order to fully live out the life of seeing everyone as equal because we understand the cost for each and every one of us. It's the same for Jesus. There can only be true diversity and genuine love and respect for people through Jesus. It is because through Jesus, we know that he is above all creation and he is in all creation, right? He is in all. With Jesus, we will not categorize people based on their ethnicity or income or age or upbringing or gifting or appearances or shortcomings. It is because Jesus is all and in all. So through the knowledge and love of Jesus, we will be able to view and treat all people the same. That is what the church of followers of Jesus Christ should not only be, but should also look like. Right? You see that term a lot? But sadly, there are still a lot of churches who have very not diverse audience. I'm, I feel very honored and privileged to be able to say that Restoration, this church, 
looks like what that verse is saying. Oh, sorry, the verse before that. It is not because of what I can do. I know it's not because of me. But it's because the life of God is here in each of us. And it's allowed us to view people without any blinders and see each other as the love of Jesus see each of us. Here, as in this very church body, the life of God is drawing us together, right? From very different backgrounds and different ethnicities, generations, languages, income brackets, interests. So it's not because of me. I know this. I can't even speak English well. So it's not because of me, but it's because of God is bringing us together. And once we have Jesus inside of us, we see each other as the same. We see each other as equal, brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to end with an encouragement to live as people who have been made alive in Christ. Is that let's earn this new life that was given to us, that was gifted to us. Don't forget, we didn't deserve this gift of new life. But through the grace of God alone, we belong in his kingdom forever. Earn this. Earn it. I know that's a line from the movie, but I think it speaks so true about this verse. Earn it. Live in this new self. Put off the old life. Put to death the old life. Get rid of it. Let's make it worthwhile. Just like that movie, Saving Private Ryan. You know, once you fully and see and have the revelation of the sacrifices of Jesus and what he has done, you will want to live a new life. We will want to put our old self behind and put on our new self and be, one, be at one with Jesus, the hope of glory. So let's put our old life behind and live the life that is worthy to be called God's people. The way to live in that new life is from the next five verses. We, uh, we're going to go through those verses, chap, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. And I wanted to encourage everyone to read those verses during your free time this week or next week and meditate on them during the week and focus on those things. Not that you want to ignore the things that we need to stay away from. Know what they are, but focus on the goodness of who Jesus is Focus on his love, focus on his grace and his power, and that will make things so much easier for us to move past the therefore, past the things of our old self, and put on our new self. Um, just a uh, quick aside, the reason that we're not going through those verses next week is Anthony is going to be preaching next week. So we're taking a quick break for Anthony. I know he's not here right now, but Anthony is going to preach next week, and then we'll get back into Colossians the week after. So um, that's what I have for today. And I want to encourage all of us again. Think about and meditate on who Jesus is. Focus on that. And it will be so much easier for us to put aside the old self. Don't focus on the negative things. Focus on the mighty and the grace and the love of Jesus that will allow us to put our old self. Use his power and his grace. His grace is sufficient for us. He will give us strength to put aside our old self. Amen. I, um, so I want to encourage you guys, live full of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. That's through our worship and through our daily lives. Then our new self will come through. It will come through easily. Focus on Jesus. So let's, um, that's what I have for us today. So let's, why don't we close our eyes and I'll pray and um, we can end the meeting this morning. 
Your Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just thank you for who you are, God. I just thank you that you are always present when we gather together. As we lift our voices up from the first note, you are present. That you love seeing your people gather together. Be united to lift our voices up to worship you. To come together to acknowledge you, to glorify you, to praise you, to honor you, to magnify you. And we're so thankful for you, God. We want to put you first and foremost, always. And I just thank you that you have given us the strength and the Holy Spirit that will allow us to put aside our old self and put on this new self and be able to walk with you, to truly, fully have the revelation that, Jesus, you are in us, our hope of glory. You are in us, that you've made your indwelling within us. And we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful for that, Lord. We're so thankful and I'm so honored and privileged to have that. It's not because of who we are, where we came from, or what we have done, but it's because of your love and your love alone. I just pray that this new life and this new self, that it will be um, growing within each of us and also within this church, just to have a greater revelation of you, of who you are, so we can be able to live a life that, that is, be, so we can be called people as people who are holy, dearly loved by God, that we can live with people who are filled with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, forgiveness, thankfulness, and gratefulness. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, God. We just ask for more of you, God, for right now as you come into our hearts and speak to us and allow us to take that from here and go out and be with people and share more of your goodness of your love, of your, your grace, of your greatness, and who you are. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. And we pray to all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.